1: Thank you all for joining us for another edition of Political Rewind. A lot to talk about on the show today, as always. So uh, I'd like to get right to introducing our panel. It's Tuesday, which means my partner from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is senior reporter Tamar Hallerman. Hi, Tamar. How are you?
0: Hey, Bill. Good morning.
1: Um, I want to, as I am about to introduce the other panelists, I want to put them in a context that I think you'll understand and be able to elaborate on just a little bit. Um, I spent many years, I've said this on the show before, that while I spent many years covering national politics, got to cover presidential uh, campaigns, uh, traveling around the country getting to talk with presidential candidates covering the White House and the Hill. Um, All of that is very, in some ways, glamorous and exciting because you're operating at the highest levels of elective politics. But I learned real, I really came to realize later in my career that uh, where the real work of government gets done is at the state and local level. It's the local uh, elected officials who have to make things happen they can't afford the gridlock that we see in Washington they ha- they have constituents that they see on the street every day they have to respond to them and so i began to think that covering local and state politics was actually much more exciting and since you've left your washington beat to come to georgia i suspect you've seen a similar uh, you've had a similar response
0: Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you can watch people on Capitol Hill like haggle over numbers, you know, these giant, you know, numbers with billions and trillions of dollars um, and they can haggle over policy ideas and kind of broader concepts. But the mayors are kind of the ones that see when the rubber hits the road, they're the ones who have to answer to that pothole or, you know, uh, that school district and, and all that stuff. So I think... Obviously, their perspectives are so important because they're the closest to the people. And so I totally agree with you, Bill.
1: And and so that is uh, my way of introducing today our mayor's panel. We're really happy uh, to be able to bring together three uh, Georgia mayors, uh, starting with a longtime friend of the show, Mayor Rusty Paul of Sandy Springs, uh, Rusty Paul has been mayor, I think, since 2013, right, Mayor Paul? And just won That's re-election correct. again last year. Thanks for being here, uh, Mayor Paul. It's an absolute
2: delight, Bill. Thank you for having me back. And, uh, you know, somebody said that being mayor was glorious, but I'm still looking for the glory. It, uh, it is uh, <laughs> a, a rather focused job. You don't have the luxury of having, you know, a philosophy to hide behind.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Dina Holiday ingram Mayor of East Point, is back with us, a, a frequent panelist on the show. How are things in East Point? Oh, wait, Mayor. Before we talk about East Point, let's tell everybody your, your birthday is today. You are joining us on your birthday. So I want to send out our best wishes. I'd sing it to you, but we'd lose <laughs> listeners left and right. How are you, Mayor?
3: I'm great, and I am excited to be able to start my birthday off with you. It must be destined to be a great day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're joined for the first time on the show today by the mayor of Combined Athens Clark County, Kelly Gertz. Um, who, uh, Kelly uh, uh, Gertz, you were elected, I think, 2019. Uh, you began your uh, service as mayor, serving on the council. Uh, uh, out there. Thanks for being with us today.
4: So glad to be here. I really enjoy the program and glad to have a conversation with some of my colleagues in other places. And uh, that's right. I uh, served three terms as county commissioner and concurrently uh, worked for about 20 years in public ed here in Athens.
1: Um, is I, 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 I hate to ask a question that I should know the answer to, but you're a full-time mayor, right? I, I am a full-time
4: mayor. We are, of course, a combined city-county, uh, much like Macon and Augusta and Columbus. So uh, we serve the 130,000 residents in all of the ways that both cities and counties do.
1: Yeah, you're way too big a community to be one of those mayors who serves on a part-time basis. Um, and I know that's true of uh, Rusty Paul and Dina Holiday Ingram as well. Um, let's start, if we can. I just want to look uh, briefly at at COVID right now. We, we are told the Omicron variant has uh, subsided quite a bit. There aren't as many cases uh, happening across the country and in Georgia, although there were, the, the Georgia Department of Public Health's website says that they had 9,325 confirmed cases as of this morning. I'm not sure that's just one day yesterday. They don't collect numbers on the weekend, so this may represent a couple of, of days. They had 128 Uh, people who died uh, of COVID. And the other number that continues to be somewhat distressing is the fact that of the number of PCR tests just reported in the last 24-hour reporting period, some 80,000, more than 17% were positive. And we've learned over the couple of years we've been following this that if your numbers are over 10%, you've still got a problem. So, Tamar, things are getting better but as we talk to these mayors about how they're dealing with this in their communities in, in many, many ways, I think the starting point tomorrow in some ways is we're, we're still trying to figure out what where we live with this virus right now and and how we're going to move forward, yes?
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's the raw numbers to follow. Um, but there's also kind of the the reality of it on the ground that people are tired of the pandemic. They're tired of masking up. They're tired of the precautions after nearly two years of this. And not only that, we're in the middle of a campaign season, um, where many of our office holders are running for re-election, um, including our governor and our senator and so i think there's a lot of politics that people have to answer to and you're seeing it even in places like the northeast that have had very stringent COVID guidelines places like new jersey connecticut uh where they've long had masking requirements in schools and even they are starting to loosen up
1: um mayor gertz back in in uh, the spring of 2020 uh you were getting some attention cnn i think uh, interviewed mm-hmm. you at one point, maybe uh, the Washington Post. You, you were in the news uh, because you back then were adamantly opposed to the way in which you thought Governor Kemp was handling the pandemic back then, opening up too soon while the virus was still rampant. H- have you remained uh, uh, cautious? In, how, how are you all dealing with mitigation in athens Clark County And and how do you feel about where the state stands right now with the virus? I'd certainly
4: wish that the state had really, throughout the last two years, taken more safe, protective measures. And I think the last years have demonstrated you can do that at the same time. You can maintain financial success in your community. So Athens in particular, uh, of course, unified with Clark County, has the lowest mortality rate for any urbanized county in the state. And yet at the same time, we had our highest sales tax revenue ever last year. So you can be financially or fiscally successful at the same time. You can pay attention to health care matters, uh, you know, as these conversations are happening around masking or lack of masking in the school context. I think a lot about the many years i spent in school classrooms and realized that you really can do more than one thing at a time. You can perhaps have school children spend more time outside and learn in that environment, as I've witnessed with my own third grader Um, you can maybe have students without masks in in a varying level depending on whether they're in elementary middle school or high school understanding that high school age people exhale in much the same way that adults do and and so we've learned i think more about the science and, and recognize that we can you know in classic parlance walk and chew gum at the same time
1: i'm curious uh as long as you've got the ball um, in, the, in the last number of years, Athens has become something of a foodie town, among other people. Hugh Atchison opening uh, mm-hmm. Five and Dime out there a long time ago, but he was kind of on the leading edge of uh, finer restaurants in Athens. Um, how has the business community, especially restaurants, been hurt in, in your city?
4: So obviously in those early months, everything seemed upside mm-hmm. down. Uh, What I can say about Hugh and Peter Dale and other well-known restaurateurs here is that they've all adapted. Obviously, the federal support funds have been part of that, but we as a local government have tried to make every provision so that they could continue their businesses in a safe way. So we've given over streetscapes and public rights of way to restaurant seating so that there could be a safer environment in which to enjoy a food or a glass of beer.
1: Uh, Mayor Paul, you're a longtime Republican, obviously, and and I should have introduced you by mentioning you were, in fact, the chair of the Georgia Republican Party back starting in 1995 and before that were part of the George H.W. Bush administration working at HEW under Jack Kemp. Um, so you have a long history in Republican politics, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean you subscribe to everything that Republicans are doing. So with that in mind, though, tell us a little bit about where you stand with the virus in Sandy Springs, how it's affected business, um, and, um, and just the day-to-day lives of your residents.
2: Well, we've come through it. I mean, we went, we've gone through a period of, uh, and Dana understands this, we get weekly reports uh, with from Fulton County. And at one point, the positivity rate was over 30%. Now, given the large number of home tests that people are taking and not reporting to the health department, we assume that those numbers are underreported. So we think that uh, a lot more people probably had the Omicron variant than the the health department statistics uh, show. But my biggest concern right now is the fact that people are losing confidence And the political class, the news media, and more especially the medical and scientific community, because I can't tell you the number of people who've told me, I got my shots, I wore the mask, I socially distanced, and I still got the virus. So these people don't know what they're talking about. And that is the most dangerous aspect, I think, of the aftermath of all this, is the loss of credibility when we tell people something. Now, I had it over the holidays, but I I did everything I was supposed to do. And I was sick for one day, uh, and I'm I'm one of those people who should have gotten really sick. I'm old and I'm fat, so uh, the, you know, overweight people, older people are the ones who are tend to be uh, affected worse by it. But I had because I had taken my shots, because I had taken precautions. I really had one bad day, and then it was all over with for me. So, but that's a, that's a real problem because when when it first started, I probably got 30 or more requests a day for us to do what Kelly did in Athens, which was override the governor's uh, uh, prohibition on mask mandates and institute it. This last one, the whole time I got one saying we should override the governor and, and do mask mandates. So people have one or one, two things. They've either learned that they've got to live with this thing or they've lost credibility. And I think it's, a con, uh, it's really both of those in, in, in some level.
1: We, we all have experienced, I think, in going to various parts of the, the, the metro Atlanta area, maybe going in other parts of the state, uh, the use or lack of use of masks. You can go into a community mm-hmm. where you'll see almost no one wearing a mask. In my neighborhood, everywhere I go, people are masked. What's happening in Sandy Springs with masks yeah, right you, now? We had the voluntary use of masks.
2: Yeah, we, we had huge compliance. Uh, you didn't go to the grocery store or any place where 95% at least we're wearing masks. In fact, it was odd at, at parts of this not to see people wearing masks. So they did what they were asked to do, uh, and it still didn't seem to slow the the, the virus down. So we've got to come up. We've got to take a look at what happened during this whole pandemic and figure out what the lessons are that we've learned on how we do public health communications, uh, not only at the local level, but at the state and national level as well.
1: Mayor Ingram, uh, East Point is a largely African-American community and we have just been learning in from new reporting that the numbers of African-Americans getting vaccinated has risen dramatically recently, which is a uh, obviously a very good sign for uh, uh, communities like yours. Tell us just a little about how things are in East Point in dealing with the virus right now.
3: So things are going better. I'll say that. I think it's because Unlike higher levels of government, we didn't politicize this virus from the beginning. We were the second city in the state to issue a mask mandate. We issued our shelter-in-place order early before the the state did, right? Like, we really prioritized the health, welfare, and safety of our residents from the beginning to now. And I think we're, we're, we're seeing that, and our residents appreciated that. Um, you know, our vaccination rates, when we look at our different 11 census tract, we have some that are in the 60-plus percent. And we also have one or two that are still in the 20s. And so we are, you know, really trying to encourage people to vax up, boost up, mask up still. Um, we, I think our businesses are getting through it. Like we are definitely learning how to live with and during this, with the um, pandemic and during this pandemic. I, I do believe that, um, you know, when, when what happened early on in politicizing this, when you talk about credibility The reality of it is, is no vaccination is 100%. And I think there was a lot of opportunity at the onset of this to be more clear in the education that was provided and information that was provided that getting vaccinated is not not guaranteed to prevent you from getting the virus. So when they were saying Pfizer is 90-something percent and Moderna, like those percentages, what should have been made clear to people in layman's terms, that that means that it is not a guarantee that if you get vaccinated you will not get the virus the reality of it is just like with the other viruses and i shared it the other vaccinations i shared last time my daughter had 37 when i took her to the doctor on september 1st and when she turned 12 she's now at 39 she had her two um, doses of COVID because we have to make sure that we're prioritizing safety and make sure that what happens with vaccinations is if you get it right after being vaccinated um, it is less severe. It, the, the chances of fatality reduce the chances of being hospitalized, reduce. And if you're boosted, they decrease even more. And I think there's a real opportunity to really start educating people and having one, like the whole one band, one sound, one message around this so that people are clear and there's not so much misinformation and disinformation and misinterpretation.
1: Uh, could I do one more quick uh, round with you, very quickly? Starting with you, Mayor Ingram, uh, how much money in COVID relief have you gotten at this point from the federal government, and where have you used it? Let's just do this kind of quickly.
3: Okay, so we received half of it, so we're entitled thirteen million. We received about six point, a little over six point five million. Used it on infrastructure, um, aging infrastructure needs, um, um, bonus pay, or hazard pay for our first responders, as well as. Um, look using it for um, additional services to help bridge those gaps for residents and build an infrastructure to continue to connect residents to services. Um, Mayor Paul, how about Sandy Springs? Oh, I'm sorry. And let me back up really quick. Public safety. Let me not forget that. And we'll be talking about that a little later. Public safety is one of the key areas as well.
1: Mayor Paul,
2: we use it for rental assistance. We did some business support uh, to for targeting small businesses, we also because our first responders were putting in a lot of overtime and and really hazardous pay because they when they went into a situation, you know they uh, they were exposed and so we gave them some bonuses and and so on tied to the uh, the response. We also used a little bit for some infrastructure work, but largely we tried to plow it back in to ease the impact of the. Um, of the pandemic on our businesses and those renters who were struggling.
1: Mayor Gertz, what about you out in Athens, Clark County? So we've received the first half of our $58
4: million allocation like other cities and counties have. And thus far, we've used it for some uh, rental assistance and eviction prevention. Uh, We've used it for some behavioral health needs. Uh, We've used it for some vaccine incentivization and for some bonus pay for, for our own first responders And then prospectively, we're really looking at trying to provide some behavioral health supports and some longer term housing and youth development and workforce supports.
1: All right. Thank you all for uh, filling us in a little bit and uh, giving us kind of a portrait of COVID in your communities right now and how you're responding to it. Um, Tamar, redistricting and court battles over redistricting, court decisions about redistricting are very much in the news this week already. Uh, North Carolina State Supreme Court threw out the map that the Republican legislature up there drew. They drew a map with like 10 Republican, 10 of 14 Republican districts. Their state Supreme Court said, considering that uh, North Carolina is a 50-50 state, that is a disproportionate number of districts favoring Republicans. Uh, a district court in Alabama, federal district court, throughout Alabama's Republican maps. But just yesterday, the US Supreme Court uh, said, we're going to stay that district court until we've had a further review uh, of whether or not they did anything. We're going to take the case in Washington, but we're staying the district court. Uh, let's not get into Alabama because it's kind of complicated. Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, as part of all that. Georgia, as the state map, uh, the congressional map, was in court yesterday. Uh, uh, Voting rights advocates had gone to court saying that it does not fairly uh, represent African-American voters. African-American voters do not have uh, the fair opportunity to vote for candidates of their choice. And Tomorrow, real quick, and I'll throw it over to you. One of their concerns is the way in which the population of the 6th District, which had been Lucy McBath's Democratic 6th District, was moved south to the 13th District, the African-Americans in that district, David Scott, Democratic uh, uh, member down there, um, and turned the 6th District into what could very easily be a Republican district uh, moving forward. 67 percent of the voters in the new map in the 13th district are African-American. Only 10% now are uh, uh, African-American in the sixth district. So uh, tomorrow, that's one of the challenges that's going on right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see how um, how the judge weighs in, of course. Um, back in, I believe it was 2013, the Supreme Court struck down the uh, a huge portion of the Voting Rights Act that, of course, required states like Georgia and others with a history of you know, racist behavior to, to get any kind of changes cleared with the Justice Department before anything could be implemented. That part has gone away, but it is still illegal under the Voting Rights Act to dilute uh, the voting strength of, of a group based on their, their race. Uh, but at the same time, the Supreme Court in recent years has also made it clear that they think partisan gerrymandering is okay. Um, so this is kind of the, the strongest avenue, I think, that opponents have to challenge, um, you know, this map that was signed by by the governor, which um, right now would give Republicans a, a 9 to 5 advantage in our um, congressional districts.
1: Uh, Mayor Ingram, uh, the litigants in this case point out that since the 2010 uh, uh, census, Uh, African-American population in Georgia has grown 16 percent there they now make up 33 percent of the total population um, while white uh, population has dropped by a percentage which is another figure which may lend itself to the case the litigants are trying to make about uh, uh, black voters not having an opportunity uh, that they ought to have to vote the way they want to.
3: Yeah, I I think, you know, what is always unfortunate when redistricting shows its face or comes around is that, um, you know, the real true motives of people show up, right? The reality of it is if we were a country where we wanted and believed that everyone should not only have the right to vote, but vote in the best way possible or easy way possible for them and have those votes counted, we wouldn't be dealing with these types of things every time. And it is what it is. The reality is, is that this is basically definitely race-based. This is definitely to try to disenfranchise and dilute the power and voice of people of color. My dad was actually a victim of this when in my hometown of Stark, Florida, when he ran for council, and his case was used um, as a part. His race was used as a part of the case to get the districts redrawn in my hometown because there was not an opportunity for blacks to have representation on the county commission or city commission back in the 80s, right? And so we're still fighting the same fights. And it's unfortunate that when we are having these discussions, the lack of candor, right? And the lack of reality and people just telling the truth. It is about race. It is about making sure that certain people have power, have access to power and the benefits thereof, and that certain people do not. But I do believe that people of color are understanding and really realizing that people who don't serve us can't serve us, and they've shown up and voted in that way, and that is what is making people more fearful. But these types of strategies and attacks will only fuel um, and inspire and motivate and and really get people, I believe, more focused on voting. And definitely the organizations that I partner with, like the NAACP and other Black Voter Matters and Georgia Stand-Up, all of us will continue to good fight. And maybe that's why I was boxing this morning, to get my strength up, right? Like, um, got to be ready to fight and do my strength building because it's always something to fight for. I was at BoxFit Fitness and Performance Center at East Point this early morning, like getting that together. Mayor Paul? Uh,
2: you know, I hate to admit this, but this is my fifth redistricting year. Uh, my first one was 1980. I was, just a, I was actually a legislative aide up here at the Capitol. Uh, and I'm sure it will come as an absolute shock to every member of this panel that the party in power always uses this process to try and optimize its, uh, its strength when it comes to drawing the districts. Uh, when I was in the Senate in 2000, we redistricted, and uh, I wasn't Roy Barnes and Bobby Kahn's favorite senator, and they blew my district up so badly, we're still finding pieces of it lying around. In fact, I went to the well <laughs> of the Senate and said, I'm the only senator I know who's just bought a double wide because I'm going to follow my district no matter where it goes uh and uh so you know this is a process of of you know the party in power is going to try and optimize uh its strength in the voting process they don't care whether they're white or black or green all they care about do they vote republican or do they vote democrat and that's that's the raw politics of a redistricting process and it's about grouping voters who will vote in the same way together in districts that favor the party in power always has been and unless uh The second coming occurs, it always will be.
1: Kelly Gertz, uh, you're welcome to comment on the state uh, congressional map, but you also have a fight going on right now in athens Clark County that's an important one for you. The Republicans in the legislature basically moved in and uh, did some significant uh, uh, work to change the commission districts. Where uh, which were controlled by Democrats, and, uh, and and now they've actually stripped two of those commissioners from the ability to run for re-election, uh, three of them? Okay, talk to That's us right. about that.
4: Well, I, I'll say very broadly, I'm a big fan of the nonpartisan redistricting opportunities that some states have taken, particularly when those bodies are empowered with real strength where they're not just recommending bodies or lackeys of the state government, but they, in fact, go in with some marching orders that say, let's retain minority strength, let's keep together communities of interest, and let's make uh, politics a less significant piece of this. I mean, I think Rusty's right. Politics is never going to go out of this, but there's some mechanisms you can use to depoliticize elements of it. Uh, Unfortunately, I think what we've seen in both the congressional map and our local map here for the county commission is that politics has been a big part of it. So you're right. Um, we, We are on the verge of, respectively, a third of the voters in this county being disenfranchised by having those locally elected members who they voted for taken out of the opportunity to be on the ballot. And in fact, in this new map, two thirds of voters would be in a completely new district. And, you know, it's clear that unlike what you led with at the top of the hour, which was that, you know, in local government, you should be thinking about these very nuts and bolts issues. This has become a politicized process, and unfortunately, it has not served the public good here.
1: Uh, Tomorrow, one of the issues here before we move on, and we got to get to a break, uh, too, is that— um... We used to see local delegations at the state capitol which made the decisions about how, uh, how anything would happen in local legislation uh, and in redistricting. Uh, that's not the case at this point. At this point, these matters are going, as in athens Clark County, to the whole body dominated right now by Republicans who make decisions without regard to what the local delegation might want. We're seeing the same thing in the Buckhead City movement where there's not a single legislator who represents Buckhead who is involved in the effort to make Buckhead an independent uh, city. Rusty Paul is right. Democrats do it when they're in charge. But it doesn't, for Georgians right now, uh, they're looking at this, and many of them are wondering if they're losing a voice in government
0: I think it goes to show just how kind of political the moment is and how much, you know, some of the ugliness we've seen in Washington is starting to like seep down into the state and local level where there was, like you mentioned, for decades, kind of a deference given to the local delegation. Uh, But at the same time, you know, everything down to kind of the school board has become so political in this moment. And I think it's, it's particularly hard in communities where things are changing really quickly. Uh, you see a place like Gwinnett, uh, which for so long had been led by Republicans, another place like Cobb, where it was very similar, where all of a sudden a lot of districts have flipped, where all of a sudden, you know, the population looks different, too. And I think there's a little bit of a, a whiplash there, and it'll be interesting to see um what sort of precedent is set at the legislature this session if, if it's just this moment um, or if this carries on and becomes the new normal.
1: All right. Tamar Hellerman gets the last word in the first segment of Political Rewind. I've got to get to a break very quickly, but we'll have a lot more to talk about when we return. This is Political Rewind. <laughs> Welcome back to Political Rewind. By the way, before we continue, uh, Natalie Mendenhall just sent me a note reminding me that at 11 o'clock this morning, uh, the Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court, David uh, Namias, is going to deliver his first State of the Judiciary Address to the General Assembly. And if you can't get enough of seeing speeches by justices of the State Supreme Court, you can watch it on the GPB Uh, website in fact it might be kind of interesting so just in case you're interested it'll be there at 11 o'clock this morning it's a mayor's show today tomorrow hallerman of the ajc and i are talking with mayor kelly gertz of athens clark county uh mayor dina holiday ingram of east and rusty paul of sandy springs um i let me turn to something overtly political for a couple minutes here um Tomorrow, we are now seeing this raging controversy among Republicans attacking uh, Stacey Abrams, because at a school appearance the other day, she posed for a photograph which uh, her campaign tweeted out, in which all the students sitting behind her facing the camera, and Stacey Abrams facing the camera, they were all masked. Stacey Abrams didn't have her mask on. And she has been excoriated. Not surprisingly, by her Republican opponents. Um, Tempest in a teapot, or does this thing have the kind of leg Republicans believe this has legs?
0: Yeah, and you're seeing, you know, people like, Cody Hall, who works for for Brian Kemp's campaign, even mentioning this is going to feature in advertising for for the campaign. I mean, for them, this is a plum opportunity to hit Stacey Abrams, Joe Biden, and the Democrats for being hypocritical um, when it comes to COVID protections and mask wearing. It's a way for them to highlight what they see as as overreach uh, from the government that that Democrats advocate for. Um, So for them, it's an absolute political gift. and I, I'm sure we will see it pop up in ads. And I just remember going on Twitter kind of right after this story leaked, and pretty much every Republican office holder in Georgia that I, I follow had tweeted out some version of that picture. So this will not be the last time we see it.
1: You know, okay, so Rusty Paul, let let me throw out something to you and to the other panelists as well. You know, when I used to cover presidential politics, um, one of the things you learned very quickly in talking to the campaigns is they always would advise a candidate, you're going to get handed a lot of hats when you go out and meet the people. Never put one on your head. (laughs) You just cannot win. It strikes me that, in in a way, this is a very similar situation. Uh, Stacey Abrams apparently took her mask off to pose for the photograph. But the fact of the matter is, these are the kind of things that when you're a politician running for office, you can't just let go.
2: You should never wear a hat unless you're trying to get the support of the Milner's Union. Then you can wear a hat. Okay. (laughs) But, (laughs) But every candidate needs an aide standing by to say, hey. You need to be sure you do this Hands hand them the appropriate document or whatever it is at the appropriate time to make sure that those sorts of things happen. I mean, those, that's going to happen to anybody in the course of a campaign. You're going to trip up. You're going to fall. Uh, you know, it's all how you get back up and, uh, and deal with it. So, yeah, you, you would expect, I mean, Gavin, if, if you're Stacey Abrams, you should learn from Gavin Newsom in California the number of times he's been photographed without his mask out there. So you've you got to learn from other people's mistakes, too, in this process. But this will, you know, yeah, everybody's going to take advantage of it. It may show up in a few ads, but, you know, there'll be other conversations going on two weeks from now.
1: Mayor Ingram and then Mayor Gertz, I'd love to get your thoughts on this.
3: I, I mean, it's comical um, and it's a distraction, right? So, yes, um, not she didn't have a mask on for a picture. But the reality of it is that's not what's going to decide the election. And it doesn't negate the very poor lack of people focused decisions that have happened at higher level of government um, from the beginning of this pandemic. Let's not be distracted by a photo. Um, I mean, don't forget about the crowds of people at other parties events with no mask. I mean, when the, the pandemic was surging and when people were you know, they were calling them super spreading events. And I mean, let's also not forget that, you know, close to a million Americans have died. Um, and it is not about whether or not somebody didn't have a, a, a mask on for the photo. What, what, what they are not talking about is the fact that she did and then took it out for the photo and then creating that as a distraction. It's really not about that. It is, um, let's stay focused on the issues and the politics and the people who actually care about the majority of Georgians and not just a select few and get distracted in the upcoming election, and realize, you know, that the people have the power, and we have to vote for people who serve us. Again, people who don't serve us can't serve us, and the people have to make sure that that happens in every election. It's not about a math.
1: Uh, Mayor Gertz, I know that people are going to say, "Why are we even talking about this? It's trivial." Uh, It may be, but the fact of the matter is, it's getting a lot of uh, play out there. And so I feel the least we can do is just mention it and get your responses. So you get one too, Mayor Gertz. I think on a
4: substantive level, this is a big nothing burger, but I'm reminded that the name of this show is Political Rewind, not Policy Rewind. (laughs) And um, we, we live in the era when imagery makes a big impression And so uh, my hope is we move on very quickly from this. Um, But, you know, I'm reminded of a 100 other pieces of imagery that were used successfully, whether it's John Kerry flip-flopping in the wind on a board or whatever.
0: And look, I mean, this is an easy point for the the Republican candidates, um, but at the same time, it's a way for them to draw a distinction um, from from Democrats um, and kind of show, you know, prove their conservative bona fides. You know, in their eyes, it's a way to highlight if you're Governor Kemp, you know, I prioritize the economy, look at where our economy is because I was brave enough to kind of stand up to the covid police Um, You know, you can disagree with with that approach, but it's an easy way to kind of highlight how you're different from, um, you know, what what the Biden administration is putting out, what people like Stacey Abrams are advocating for. So it it makes sense to me why why Republicans would be kind of leaping on this. And of course, it's a a way to rile up your base who, um, you know, have been trained to hate Stacey Abrams for many years now.
1: Um, Okay. We'll let that go. I hope it doesn't come back because it strikes me that unless something substantial happens in the story, we've done it and we're going to dismiss it. Um, While we've got the mayors, let's talk about some of the issues that I think you share in common. You'll tell me if you don't. And let me start with you, Mayor Ingram. You already mentioned that you used a big chunk of your COVID relief money uh, for first responders uh, and uh, public safety. And you've said, uh, I think you've already taken steps to uh, expand benefits for public safety workers, your police officers. Uh, are, are there salary increases that go with that? And and I think it's worth at least a couple minutes and go around with everybody about where your uh, police Department stands today. Are you struggling to have full employment in the police department? I know you've had some Significant crime in the community uh, Recently, so t- tell me what's happening uh, with a police force in uh, East Point and how you're trying to address the problems
3: Sure um, Bill and before I do that I'll say that the reason we were able to um, allocate funding towards public safety and um <laughs> make sure still that our residents got taken care of is because we received between CARES Act funding and, um, government grant grants from Fulton County government. We were able to secure around a million, over a million dollars for rental and mortgage assistance that we're still providing to our residents. And so that was taken care mm-hmm. of through other funding, which allowed this funding to be available. Um, we are just like any other, um, city across this country. Yeah. Could we have more police officers? Are we at full staff? No, but our, uh, Chief, Chief, um, new Chief, We he started December 6th. Chief Sean Buchanan um, is an absolute um, dynamic leader and basically immediately put every officer on patrol, regardless of rank, even himself. So Chief, Deputy Chief, Lieutenant, everybody is patrolling to help get more officers throughout the city. Um, you mentioned the salary increases. And so the reality of it is, is with our salary increases of 52,000, for non-certified officers and fifty-five thousand for certified officers, plus a fifteen-hundred-dollar incentive if you have an associate's degree, or twenty-five hundred increase if you have a um, bachelor's degree after the first year. You could start and in a year with the city be at fifty-seven-five plus post-certification. So we're able to be able to be competitive and attract, you know, professionals. Um, the chief is informing that there are people who are teach teachers or former teachers who like to get into uh, policing, but the pay has not been competitive. So we, we feel really good about that. From benefits perspective, we um, actually pay an additional $150 to, uh, pre- towards the our officers, or first responders premium for insurance per month. And so that's an additional $150. And we do also for our entire, all of our employees, we pay additional, but it's like 125, we scaled it down. Um, and we continue to pay more to make sure health insurance is lower. Um, My chief has informed me that, you know, the take-home cars, believe it or not, reduces maintenance costs on vehicles by 60% and accidents by 50% because officers take care of the vehicles more. And when you're taking the car home, it's not being driven 24-7, right? It's only being driven by one officer during a portion of the day.
1: So, um, Mayor Gertz, recruitment, retaining officers, an issue in Athens, Clark County?
4: Like with every public safety unit across the country, we we are down. We are not full. Uh, We've got about a 15% vacancy rate among sworn officers. Um, But we significantly increased pay in this fiscal year to $47,000 a year for a starting officer. And your dollar will go a little bit farther in Athens than it will in the metro. Uh, And we've also really thought about public safety in a broader way and realize that police officers shouldn't be the Swiss Army knife of all things public safety. So we've introduced co-responder teams. So we have seven teams we've funded where a police officer is paired with a clinician for those people who really need some behavioral health support, and then also partnered with our Community Service Board Advantage Behavioral to put in place an alternative response team for those cases when clearly there is not a violent activity at hand, but somebody needs to get into a care bed.
2: We've, uh, had, we have four vacancies right now out of a police force of 145. Uh, what we have done, we've comp- we've raised the salaries, particularly among our rank and file, uh, officers, and, uh, that's really helped. We've, uh, offered from out of town officers who are moving from out of state, uh, a $7,000 uh, signing bonus plus a $3,000 moving allowance. But I tell you what's made the huge difference in Sandy Springs. And why we're considered, have been said, as one of Georgia's safest cities. It's the community support that our people give our police department. There are signs all over Sandy Springs. We support Sandy Springs Police Department. I've had restaurant owners tell me that in the last two years, there has been a single time when a firefighter or a police officer ate in their restaurant where they had to pick up the tab. Somebody went up and said, I'm buying that table's lunch or dinner. We had a three-week waiting period during the height of the pandemic for people who wanted to cater lunch for the whole police department. We had one guy went up to the counter and said, I want to buy lunch for those folks. He said, you're third in line. So the community support, (laughs) in addition to the, uh, the compensation, makes a huge difference in today's environment. You've got to show these men in blue and women in blue that they are supported by the people they are protecting. That's what they feel they've lost, is they've lost that community support, and it means an awful lot to them. And so when you can demonstrate that, and they talk to their officers in other jurisdictions, it helps with our recruiting. That's why we don't really have much of a vacancy rate, whereas other jurisdictions are really struggling to find police officers today
1: great story to end the second seg- second segment of our show with thank you for that mayor Paul let's take our final break come back we got a little time left to talk about a couple more issues <laughs> We've just got a few minutes left on today's show. Let me uh, try to get to at least a couple other subjects. Uh, Tamara Ellerman. first of all, you just did, I think yours was like the first sit-down interview that Fonnie Willis had done to talk in depth about her uh, special grand jury investigation of Donald Trump. Give us just a couple of the highlights of what she told you now that she is getting set to launch that investigation in the grand jury in May.
0: Yeah, she filled in a little more detail about the timeline that we can expect um, over the next few months. This new special purpose grand jury is going to be seated on May 2nd, or at least that's when jury selection will, will start anyway. She said she expects the, the special grand jury to send out a lot of, uh, to issue a lot of subpoenas and to see a lot of activity in, in June and July. Um, we could see witness testimony before this this uh, grand jury, which will be meeting in secret. Um, and kind of compelling a lot of people who might have been hesitant to, to talk um, until they've gotten that subpoena to, to go in and testify. Um, she also mentioned that she's gotten a lot of threats um, in recent months, but especially over the last week, ever since President Trump in a rally you know, singled out prosecutors in Atlanta and New York and on Capitol Hill who are looking into his activities and called for huge protests if, um, you know, they did something he didn't like. Um, You know, she mentioned being called the N-word. She mentioned um, other threats to to her and her staff. And she um, mentioned having to ratchet up security both at the courthouse and at her own home uh, to respond to that. Um, she also mentioned that she's, she plans to run for re-election in, in 2024, and she still insists that, you know, she she doesn't have any preconceptions about kind of where she wants her prosecutors to go. She insisted that she wants them to follow the evidence and that this isn't a political thing.
1: Yeah, Rusty Paul, uh, uh, Fani Willis does say, look, I believe I have to investigate this. There's possible criminal wrongdoing here. But uh, she's now talking, if this, if this grand jury releases its report, it, sometime in late summer, right in the middle of a general election campaign, it there's almost no way in the world it isn't going to be viewed by a good portion of the of the people of the state and the country as a political uh, uh, effort to undermine Republicans.
2: Well, first let me say this: I, I think Fani is a huge improvement over her predecessor. She's met with the police department, she's met with mayors, she's met with all of us, and she's trying to get her arms around. A lot of different issues down there and uh, I don't disagree that prosecutors have to follow the evidence I just hope that we've got over 12,000 serious felony cases in Fulton County that need to be prosecuted I hope that whatever she's doing in this area doesn't dilute the effort to try and make sure we get these folks uh, tried and if they're convicted put away so that our streets are safer that's my only that's my major concern about this is this going to dilute the focus on really making sure that our streets are safe and that these criminals that have been let loose uh way too many times uh don't get adjudicated in in a timely basis we've got several cases in sandy springs have just been waiting and we need to get them
1: prosecuted uh, and, Dina, she has been uh, criticized for having this huge backlog and and putting a focus on, on Trump. Uh, and certainly in East Point, where you unfortunately have had a violent crime issue, I, I would think you've got to get want to see this backlog uh, closed up as well.
3: Yeah, but I believe that D.A. Willis can walk and chew gum at the same time. And a criminal is a criminal is a criminal. And anybody who commits crimes is, should be prosecuted. And it doesn't matter if you are a former president of the United States or not. So I don't think this impedes her ability to deal with the backlog. I think she has shared with mayors and talked with us about her plan to address that. I mean, she inherited a lot. And so she's not going to be able to deal with it overnight. I mean, it's not like it was created overnight. And I do believe that she will be able to deal with it. But I believe that anyone who violates the law and commits any crime should be prosecuted and should be held to the um, to, to the full extent and and held responsible. Like, we can't continue this message in this country that you know if you're the criminal justice system is for people of color and if you're white or privileged then you know you get breaks or benefits like no it is justice should be blind and it should be fair
1: mayor gertz going to give you the last word on this before we run out of time
4: well if somebody who leads the county i, I can tell everybody that the limiting factor in moving prosecution's forehead is not so much the DA's office, but it really is the superior court calendar. And so it's the capacity that the superior court judges have. I mean, it's absolutely evident that former President Trump was not a detail-oriented individual and a guy who likes to throw his weight around. So it should be no surprise that he's probably not so conscious of what uh, laws are in the first place that he's in the midst of violating. So I, I support the work of DA Willis.
1: All right. We're going to watch how that unfolds. It's certainly going to add to all of the complications, all of the passions that will spring up around the 2022 election campaign. Uh, We're out of time for today's Political Rewind, but I'm really grateful to our panel of mayors for being with us today. Mayor Kelly Gertz from athens Clark County. Mayor Gertz, come back. We enjoyed having you on for your first appearance on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Dina Holiday ingram East Point. You know, you've always got an open invitation to do the show. And Mayor Rusty Paul, you and I have known each other for about 35 years. So when I see you on the show, I always feel like I'm dealing with an old, old friend in politics. Thank you. And Tamar Hallerman... We look forward to seeing you every Tuesday as we did today. That's it for us for Political Rewind. My thanks to Jesse Neiswanger for his work engineering the show, Sam Burmistaw is our producer, and our senior producer, Natalie Mendenhall. We're back with a brand new edition of Political Rewind tomorrow. In the meantime, uh, as always, please take care, stay healthy, and yeah, all the science suggests that when you're out in public, please put on a mask. It will help you against Omicron. And if you don't have a booster shot yet, what are you waiting for? Go get one. See you all tomorrow.